John Kerwin, if you can tell us about one of your uh, important lessons that you learned about the power of interviewing, specifically about interviewing celebrities. Celebrities, like every other person, like to get free gifts. I found this out over the years. I would give, like, I would find out something that an actress liked, like she collected stuffed animals, for instance, and I would have a wrapped gift of a stuffed animal waiting for her in the makeup room with a card, not only a few dollars, but it would make her so happy. Sometimes they'd bring it on to the show with them during interview. Look what John got me. This is a present. I love stuffed animals or whatever it is. And I was always amazed at how magical that is and what that can do giving a gift i know you can't do that i guess you could mail a gift if you're just doing a podcast and they're not in your studio but for what i did is i would always have a gift ready that was a personalized gift not an expensive gift just something that showed i understood a hobby or something that was important to them and there's something about opening up the wrapping and it's like what did this host gift to me you know it's like and, and it would be like all this drama and everything and i was like oh a stuffed animal he knows that i love stuffed animals oh and it was like there was like all these feelings just for a few dollars from this celebrity all this goodwill that was uh, imposed on to me and i always found that really uh fascinating you know there's a there was uh an interviewer named George Pirro, and he interviewed Saddam Hussein. And what he did was, when he interviewed him, he gave Saddam Hussein cookies from his mother. And Saddam just was so touched by this gift, and he loved the cookies, that after that interview, Saddam Hussein said, I'm not going to interview with anybody unless it's George, and he brings me cookies from his mother. <laughs> and... And, and this, and this happened. Wow. Him, and he would always bring cookies that were from his mother, made by his mother, which cost, you know, what, a few cents or whatever it is. And when it was finally over the last time they interviewed Saddam Hussein with him, he was almost crying, said he, he was, he's going to miss his interviewer. All because of this gift of the cookies. And so it may sound trivial, perhaps. But I found that giving gifts to guests, particularly celebrity guests, really can have an impact if you do your research and you find something that would that they would really like. You know, it can't be something dumb. It can't be something that wouldn't have meaning for them. But like the stuffed animal, this was a collection that was important to this actress, and she was just ecstatic about getting this little gift. And again. The interview went really well because there was this rapport that was built in even before I said hello to her. So that's just one tip that I found uh, you might you might think about. And you you are definitely the the you are the living proof of that because John, one of the most powerful interviews I have seen is. Uh, the interview, when you interview uh, American Idol and William Hunt, and during oh, that... Not quite an American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> American Idol contestant. <laughs> I, 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 I
and and he he built a career from his funny appearances on that that show and yeah i liked him i liked him and so during that interview john i was so mesmerized how you were able to connect with him the level of connection with William Hunt, it, it, it was so ecstatic. It was just very, it was so genuine. It was genuine. I, 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 you know, like you even got to play cards. You were playing cards with him during the interview. Well, he loves poker. You know, and he loves poker. Enough, yeah. you, don't, you don't know what these celebrities are obsessed with. And William Hunt is obsessed with playing poker. So I said, well, look, I have a deck of cards. Let's play poker during the interview, a couple of hands. And he lit up. He was so happy to play poker. And it was also interesting for the audience because they got to see him, how excited he is about playing. It was funny and it was interesting. And uh, yes, in a sense, that was kind of like a gift. The fact that he got to play, you know, probably the first time he's ever been interviewed and actually played poker during the interview. So, yeah, you find out what, what celebrities love and is important to them, and you mind that. That is so amazing, yeah. And, and John, I know, John, you do a lot of, a lot of the work that you do is offset, you know, is the research that you do prior to the actual interview. If you can tell us about some of the things that you do to research a celebrity before you actually interview them. Well, I have a whole chapter on preparation and talk big. The e-book has all questions and all, all other things as well. My other book, which you can all find again on johnkerwin.com. That's J-O-H-N-K-E-R-W-I-N.com. Some of the things that I do, like I said, first of all, I really do cover their material, which I, I was just watching a, a podcast today, and the celebrity was there. And he said, did you see my new movie? I sent, I sent you a copy. You know? Did you get it? Did you watch it? And the podcast goes, you know something, it came in the mail yesterday, but I was just so busy preparing, you know, all the technical stuff, and I, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I'm going to watch it probably next week. And you heard the celebrity go, oh, okay. Because this is the thing that's the most important to them in the whole world right now is that new movie that they have coming out. They went through all the trouble of sending an advanced copy of this to the host, and then the host didn't watch it. So that's, to me, that's just absolutely basic, and, 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 and I don't see how the interview can really recover from just that at the beginning of the interview. So I, I do my preparation that I'll certainly listen to and watch and read their biographies, their movies, their TV shows, Whatever's important to them, if it's a charity, I'll really try and study that charity in depth and have good questions about it because that's obviously something that's important to them. You know, today you can look at their social media. Many celebrities have a website. There's tons of stuff. 
go to their social media and you can learn so many things. I mean, when I started out, there was nothing. You really, for some celebrities, you had nothing. You just, you know, you just kind of knew what their major work was, but you didn't know anything about their lives. Today, you can do so much preparation and really dig deep and show that celebrity that you care about their career and you care about this interview so much that you've gone into this deep dive into their history and their life and especially the things that they're selling that whether it's a movie or an autobiography or something that you did your work and read it and it's clear that you you read it like like the Louis Gossett Jr. autobiography meant so much to him. So that's the basics of preparation is really just, you know, just going into the person's life, not going to Wikipedia and writing eight questions based on that. And then your, your preparation is over. I just see that all the time. A lot of times Wikipedia is wrong, by the way. And then you really look like a bad interviewer. If they're like, no, that's not Wikipedia, but that's not correct. You know, then it's like, well, the seams show that you didn't do any preparation at all. And these celebrities aren't stupid. You know, it's like they've been interviewed so many times. They can tell when an interviewer is prepared and when an interviewer isn't. You know, I remember James Lipton on Inside the Actor Studio was always complimented by the fact that he did a lot of preparation. And it got to the point that the king, his MO was he's going to have all these cards and so on, and, and he's going to be all prepared. Now, there are certain things I disagree with James Lipton, what he did, but that I agree with, the fact that he did a lot of work studying them. The part I, the part I don't agree with is the fact that of using notes. I'm a believer that if you are an interviewer, you should not have notes. Like questions on your iPhone that you're reading your iPhone and answering. Because how do you build rapport when someone is reading questions? For instance, if you were on a date, let's say you're on a first date with somebody and you meet her and you, you sit down and you have a couple of drinks and he takes out a piece of paper and starts asking questions from that piece of paper. Like, oh, what's your favorite color? Uh, where are you from? She's going to say, what are you doing with these questions? This is, I just trying to get to know each other. It would seem so unnatural in that situation. Why then is it suddenly supposed to be acceptable in an interview situation when you're on television or you're on a podcast? to have a whole bunch of questions in front of this person when you're trying to connect with them. So I believe that, one, as I point out in my book, one of the things you really want to do is you want to, you want to work toward at least not having, having to hold questions in front of the guest while you're speaking with them. You really want to knock that down. And after you do it for a while, you're able to retain 12, 15 questions in your head without even needing that piece of paper. If, if those are questions that you want to ask, you can have those and remember them after a while. It's like a muscle that you build up. Yeah. But I'm a firm believer. It doesn't make any sense. It never did. And I see all interviewers, so many interviewers do this, having um, a list of questions. Sometimes it's like four pages and it's like they're flipping pages while they're talking. 
or I've been on the red carpet and I see people just reading from their iPhone these questions to celebrities. And it's just terrible in my opinion. And just talk to them. Be in the moment and talk with them and work on having strong follow-up questions. You know, this is, I don't know if this is something that you can use or your listeners can use, but I used to, I came up with a word that I would use for myself and it was called missing. And missing to me is when you don't listen, you're missing because you're missing something the person is saying. If you're just looking at it, notes in your questions and they say something that's interesting and you don't pick up on it and you're not listening, you're missing something. So I say, call it missing. I'm like, oh, I watched an interview. I was missing in that moment because I was not listening. I was in my head thinking of the next question and not really being present. So I, I, I'm a firm believer that you want to really eliminate notes from your, the interviewing process. Definitely. So definitely is eliminating notes and make it more like an organic conversation with follow-up questions. Is that correct? Again, like, like just think of it in terms of a date, you know? What, what would you do when you're trying to get to know somebody? You've met a woman or you've met a man that you really like. You're on a first date and you're talking with them. How are you going to be? You're going to be excited by them. You're going to say, really, you're, you're, from, you're from Boston? What's it like growing up in Boston? What were you like as a little girl? You know, just all these questions. What are you, what's your family like? What do you do for fun? You're just so interesting because you like them. Well, that kind of energy is what you would bring to an interview. You wouldn't bring eight questions to that date and start reading them off one by one and waiting for them to finish their answer so you can ask the next question. Way ago. And now, Carolyn, going back, Carolyn, to the method of the importance of researching, right? The celebrity. Here's some of the sources that I have that I have learned from you and your book. You know? So pretty much By the way, when, I like the way you call me Kerwin. It's, you can call me John. But, uh, <laughs> a cultural thing where you just call someone by their last name? <laughs> In a sense, it is a cultural thing, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So, okay. So if, yeah. if you were talking to Anderson Cooper, you would just say, so Cooper, I really like the way you, you interview people. You would just call people by their last name? Yes, at some point, yeah. Okay. All right. So, I would call you by your last name, but I can't pronounce it. Manaisa. Manaisa. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, yeah. so when you do a research, right? When you pursue research, obviously you look at all the available information, you know, on that celebrity, right? And for the most part, at least in today's media, some of the credible sources could be. Um, magazines right or kind of like previous articles right on magazines it could be also oh, yeah. it, could be it could be radio interviews it could be radio it interviews, could be podcast interviews. It interview. could be old interviews that they did when they started their career it could In be red career. carpet interviews it goes on and on what's available online now yeah. it could be books it research. could be books it could also be books that they've written or books about them well, that's, that's the first thing you want to do 
Yeah. Anytime they've written a book, that to me, that's a godsend. If I'm interviewing someone and they've written a book coming from their own mouth, I can quote that book. I can, I'm showing them that I read the book. I'll highlight it. I'll have all, I'll promote the book. I mean, that to me is gold. If someone has written an autobiography as far as how you can make that interview stronger. It's wrong, all right? And I've gone beyond all this that you're saying. I've done things that are a little bit controversial, I suppose. I've, I've done things like I interviewed Elliot Gould, who was married to Barbra Streisand. It was one of the big 70s stars, movie stars, and was also on Friends. He played David Schwimmer's father. Just a great actor, Ocean's Eleven. He was one of those guys. Elliot Gould I interviewed, and he had said that he was very disappointed in his interviewers. He said they never really got to know him. They only would interview him based on his work and his movie persona. And when I had this interview and I saw that, I was determined to go beyond just the work. So even though I watched his movies and television and did all that, I decided to go to his house before the interview. And I wore a hat and I wore sunglasses, but I knew that he wasn't going to be there, but I didn't want even his camera on his property to see me. So I went there and you say, well, why did you go there? Well, I wanted to see the trees that he looked at every morning. I wanted to go into the neighborhood and see, talk to the dry cleaner about him and what he was like and, and, and see who the mailman was and say hello to him and do all the things that he would do in his life. I even picked up a rock from his garden and I stole it and I put it in my pocket. And the next day when I interviewed him, I had that rock in my pocket the whole time. And it sounds, again, unorthodox, but somehow that drew me closer to him. I knew things about him that no other interviewer knew. And I never told him that I went there. But after the interview was over, he said, you know, I really felt connected to you. And I felt like you, you knew me and you were really interested in who I was as a person. And I felt a nice bond. And to me, that was the greatest compliment because that's what I was going after. And somehow, having gone to his house and snooped around and outside and seeing, you know, where he pulls his car up in the garage, all those things somehow uh, drew me closer to who he was as a person, as an interviewer. And I, I, I believe that, that something you can do things like that as well. <laughs> Just be careful with the law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would you say are some of the controversial things that you have used before to get to know a celebrity? Well, that's one. I mean, you know, going going to their going to their house. You know, I mean, I I I went the first big major celebrity I did. I I just no one can interview him. He was the biggest star in the world. Was Sylvester Stallone, and I just went to his house and on Thanksgiving because I figured he'd be there on Thanksgiving and and he was and eventually you know the, the police were called and everything but then he came out and he talked to me and I and I interviewed him right at his lawn in Pacific Palisades and this was at a time when it was an impossible interview unless you know it was Barbara Walters or whomever you know he, he you know it was an impossibility but sometimes you know you can take some risks and, and maybe be a little brave 
and you can get get interviews. Tell us more about that first interview, you know, with Sylvester Stallone. If you can recall back, you know, uh, if I remember correctly, you were living in New York and you came to Los Angeles. So you were visiting That's Los right. Angeles. Yeah, that tells me that you read my book. <laughs> and that, that, that's a good thing because books are important to people that you interview. Yeah, I, I came out here and I was staying with my aunt and I wanted to interview Sylvester Stallone and uh, I tried calling his agent and his agent uh, said something along the lines of, uh, you're out of your mind, kid. You'll never interview Sylvester Stallone. He's the biggest star in the world. Do you understand that? It's, it's impossible. And he hung up on me. And But I thought there's got to be some way. And I was, you know, a kid and... And I saw this thing in Hollywood. I don't know if you've ever seen these, Jose, but there's like a guy that I'll be there with says, maps to the stars homes. These, you know, that they sell for like $5. And, and I, I said, do you have Sylvester Stallone in there? He's like, oh yeah, we got Sylvester Stallone in here. So I bought that and I found <laughs> out he lives in Pacific Palisades and I decided to go there on Thanksgiving. And I said, you know, He might be there, he might not be there, but I would think that you'd be home on Thanksgiving and not be on a movie set. So I went there and I went outside and I asked on the uh, speaker, I said, I'd like to, I like to uh, speak to Sylvester Stallone. He said, well, who are you? I said, well, I want to interview him. And they said, well, he's not here. He's out of town. I said, okay, I'll wait. And I just started <laughs> waiting there on the curb outside his house. And then these people started coming up, like a very Italian-looking families coming up with these like gifts and like wine and children with dolls, and they're all coming into the house. I'm like, oh, there's the Thanksgiving party. I said, happy Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving to everybody that was walking in, and they're looking at me like I was crazy. But I, and evidently when they went inside, they said, there's this guy outside that's waiting to talk to you, and he's saying happy Thanksgiving to everyone. So anyway, so security uh, came out and they called the police. So now I'm there with these big giant security guys, and the police, and they go, what do you want to do? I go, I want to interview Sylvester Stallone. I go, that's not going to happen. And, and if you don't leave here, we're going to put you in jail. You know? And just at that moment, Sylvester Stallone walks out of his house wearing pajamas and a t-shirt, white t-shirt. Like karate pants, actually. It wasn't pajamas. It was like these karate pants. And he walks out, and he just says, well, what can I do for you? And I said, um, my name is John Kerwin, and it is my dream to interview you. And he said, uh, why don't you go to Barbara Streisand's house and bother her? And I, you know, everyone kind of laughed at that. And I, and I said, uh, well, I did, but she has better security. I started asking him, I said, you know, like, why, you know, what has made you successful? And, and for people that are my age, what do you recommend when they want to break into show business? And what's the lowest point you were at? How did you get to? I started asking him these questions. And he finally just said, he goes, well, what do you really want? I said, Like I said, I just wanted to interview you. He goes, well, I don't know if you know it, but you just did. And at that point, you know, we shook hands. 
And he had a security guy come out and bring out these to-go Thanksgiving bags for dinner for all the policemen and, and one for me. And it was very nice. It was a, a beautiful moment. And I, I've never wanted to interview Celeste Stallone since then because I don't think anything could be better than that. You know, so, and that really was my first major interview. So when you talk about how can you get to somebody or how can you interview somebody out of reach, really nobody is out of reach. Did you ever, did you ever <laughs> did you go to the restroom? Did you just, did you leave and take a smoke? No, no, no. Did you ever <laughs> okay. jump? As when you were, right, uh, in uh, interviewing Sylvester, right, before you got to the point that you ever felt like, oh, I just want to give up. I'm not going to continue. I'm just going to leave this. You know, I'll be waiting here for too long. Like, what were the thoughts that you were, you were having in your, in your head? Well, I was going to leave when the police were there because one of the policemen was uh, reaching for the handcuffs. So, at, but at that moment, Stallone came out. And so... There was some luck involved, but a lot of times when you do something, uh, luck will be on your side suddenly. <laughs> and sometimes magical things can happen when you try something. If not, I would have left. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I would have done next. Maybe I would have come back on Christmas. <laughs> I don't know. But, but you know, that's, that was what I wanted, and I was nice to everybody. I was polite to everybody, all his guests, and... Somehow he felt like, okay, this is worth a few minutes of my time to see what this, this kid is all about. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I, I, I would have left for sure. I wasn't, gonna, I wasn't willing to be arrested. I, but what would, what's the big deal if I got arrested? I, I mean, what's the big deal? Not arrested, but, you know, if I would have had to leave, okay. So I went there and it didn't work, but I tried, you know. And, and a lot of times in these kind of interviews, either myself or other people will just give you the things that work and the things that were successful. But there are many times that I've tried things that didn't work, but I try. And when you try something, the experience of trying sometimes will in itself lead you to bigger things and, and gives you experience as well. So there are many, many celebrities I've not been able to interview that I've tried. You know, I've, I've talked about when I was in college, I wanted to interview Carl Sagan, who was the top, uh, the top professor, probably the most famous professor there in the astronomy department. And I, I wrote 157 letters, 157 letters, one a day, I remember. And they were all specific letters, like new letters to him about why I wanted to interview him. And after 157 letters, he agreed to have an interview with me. And he was someone who was on television and all those things. And so, in perseverance, sometimes will pay off. You know, but then sometimes it doesn't. I've written a hundred letters to uh, Drew Barrymore, and I've never interviewed her. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't always work. But you learn something. And first of all, the letter writing gets better. In my in my in talk big. I talk about the importance of letter writing and I actually show you all the elements of a persuasive letter and what needs to be put in there when you want to get a celebrity to agree to an interview. And many times it has worked. I can't tell you how many celebrities have said, you know, I just want you to know I'm on your show because of that letter you wrote to me. You 
know, and so you get good at it. So even though I may have written a lot of letters that were not successful, I kept getting better at letter writing. And so that becomes a skill as well. Letter writing, email writing, whatever you want to call it. Hmm. Among all the letters that you have written, uh, what would you say was the most powerful letter that you have written? Well, the most powerful was to Carl Sagan. I just, I was so young. I was a teenager in college, and it was snowing. So I had, you know, and I was all I was doing was studying. So it was kind of fun to write a letter to him every day. That was the the craziest. I mean, that's a lot of letters, and it took it took months of doing it. And I think basically his mailbox was just so full of my letters that he he just said, "I'll just I'll just interview with him." You know, but to me that was, you know, the, certainly the, the greatest persistence I've ever had to get a to get an interview, and persistence pays off many times. Yeah. But usually, when it, when you, when there's a letter that has affected a celebrity, it's because through my preparation, I pointed out something in the letter that was important to them. Maybe it was some appearance on some radio show or something that they did in a movie or something that meant something to me or meant something to my family and learning how to get that across to them because that's basically what they're doing. They're artists that want to touch people's lives. And if they genuinely did that for you and you're able to express that in a letter, a lot of times they're like, you know, I want, to, I want this person to interview me. Yeah. What would you say, John, yeah. in this quest to interviewing celebrities from Sylvester Stallone, all these amazing movie stars you have interviewed, what would you say is the shortest interview you have and what is the longest interview you have? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> the shortest? Well, they, on television, they're pretty short. They're usually, they're usually like somewhere between eight and 12 minutes. But the shortest ones, honestly, are on the red carpet because it's so chaotic there and so busy, especially during, I've been to like award shows, you know, where you have these celebrities and you're like, you have literally 10 seconds maybe with a celebrity. So those are the shortest ones. You have like one question you can ask them. And what I would always do is, a trick that I would do on the red carpet is I would tie the question into something that they were selling and they would be much more interested in answering it. So in other words, I, I might say to a celebrity, you know, in your book that you wrote and I would name the book, you talked about the very first time you were at a movie premiere and here you are at the Academy Awards. How does that feel? Now that celebrity, is looking at me like as an interviewer, I know the book she wrote or he wrote. Um, I've obviously read it because I'm talking about an experience that they had written about in the book. I'm plugging the book as part of the question. That celebrity is probably gonna spend a little more time with me than with the other interviewers that are just saying, what are you wearing? What dress is that? Or what designer is that? Or whatever they ask. I would tie in the question to something um, their work or particularly something that they were selling, like a book or, or charity or something that was important to them. So that question 
had more resonance. And a lot of times people would be a little surprised that a celebrity would actually stop and talk to me for a few minutes as opposed to just 10 seconds and just give one quick answer. Who is this guy? So, yeah. What's that? Mm-hmm. No, keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> what was that? So that is, that is the, that is the shortest interview. And, and then the longest ones, um, I'm writing a book called Extraordinary Women. That's going to be long form interviews that are transcribed into a book. So I'm guessing those are going to be the longest ones I've done. But I've, I've had, I've had longer interviews for magazines, usually when there's an interview for that. And then you trim it down to whatever the, uh, the, the length is that you can give to the magazine. So sometimes I can interview someone for hours and then it's just for a magazine interview if they, if they get along with you. So I'd say the magazine interview is the longest, red carpet interview is the shortest. I see. Thank you, thank you for that range. You know, it's very precise. I feel like in the middle of that question somewhere or that answer, someone just came on to the podcast and said, who is this guy? <laughs> Did you hear that or was it just me? Yeah, I think it was just the TV. Not a big deal. It was oh, something it was complete. the TV. Yeah. But the TV seems to be commenting on my answer. <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. And uh, John, uh, so tell us, John, about... Tell us about well, let me ask now. You a question. Let, let me ask you a question. What's something specifically that you want to improve in your interviewing? Because you're doing this podcast, and what is something that you feel needs improvement? Because you know, I do mentoring as well on my website, johnkerwin.com. By the contact uh, drop down, there's mentoring as well, and I'm just interested in what what you're working on to be a better interviewer. Perhaps uh, I want to be able to do red carpets interviewing, but very short, and I be able to create or uh, you know ask the right questions, you know, in the right time, in, given the time, the minimum time. Well, that's one one hint is that if you tie in something they're selling into the question that will help you or they're promoting that's one that's one thing that can help the second thing is some people will say it's impossible how do you get on the red carpet without a press pass or so on i remember the very first time i did a red carpet i tried to get in this event it wasn't even a big event they said nope you got to have a press pass you cannot come on the red carpet are you there i'm here yeah i'm listening yeah And so what I did was I, I, I went to, uh, with my cameraman, we went to a carpet store and we bought a little red carpet that was like uh, three, feet, three feet by like, uh, like five feet, a tiny red carpet. And across the street from the red carpet of the event, I put down my red carpet and with a microphone and my cameraman, I started grabbing celebrities as they were getting out of their limousines And I, I interviewed them on my little red carpet. <laughs> That's creative. <laughs> and I, did that. I, interviewed, I interviewed like 20 of them, like big stars. Like they, and then they were all talking about it inside on the real 
red carpet because I, I later watched the interviews on the real red carpet. They go, you know, there's this guy that's doing interviews across the street on a, this little tiny red carpet, and they were all laughing. <laughs> and the producer, the producer's assistant came across the street and said, the producer wants to invite you to the uh, to the event. And so uh, my cameraman and myself, after that was over, because he thought it was funny, we actually saw the show. And then after the show, since I was inside, I interviewed another 30 people, celebrities. <laughs> so when you say it's impossible to get on the red carpet, there are ways around even that. You know, and again, these things are pointed out in my book. You just, you know, if you're determined and you want to do something, you can find a way. Yeah. And you can cut a carpet red in the store and do what I did and get a little <laughs> red carpet and get a microphone and a cameraman and people will come to your red carpet. You'd be surprised. <laughs> I had big stars doing that. I remember I really, really was kind of surprised, you know, and, and some of them said this was this was the best part of the night was coming on your little red carpet. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to do things that are a little bit uh, outrageous sometimes. Yeah. when I want to get interviews or in my preparation for interviews. But I point out in my book that sometimes it's, it's almost like guerrilla interviewing. Really? You've got to do things to, in order to, to get, to, get um, to the next level and, and to, to get on the real red carpet. Because you know? then after that, I, had, I got a press pass that night. They gave it to me for future events because of what I did. If I just stayed home and said, oh, I can't get on the red carpet no press pass, then I would have got nothing. But at least I tried something. And the worst that could have happened was that nobody would show, come to my red carpet. They'd walk right past me and go to the real red carpet. And it would have been like a waste of a day, I guess. I mean, that's the worst that could have happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just show you how courageous you are, you know? <laughs> There's this little, like, three-by-five uh, red car bright red carpet, you know, and everybody can see it. You know, I had a suit on, and I had a microphone, and, and I'm there. And someone comes out in a limousine and say, please, welcome to the red carpet. They're like, wait, this is the red carpet? I go, this is my red carpet. It's like, look. And like, someone, someone was like, this guy's crazy. And they just walk away from me. But others would laugh, and they'd stay. They'd like, okay, you can ask me a few questions. And and then some of the celebrities told other ones, go on that kid, go back. Go on that guy's red carpet. Go on it. It's funny. It's easy, you know, whatever. And that, then suddenly, you know, you put all those together, and then I had this reel of all these great celebrities. And when you see the reel, you don't know where the red carpet is. You don't look down and see it's only three by five feet, as opposed to the gigantic red carpet by the event. Nobody knows. And so that really helped me. The, the key is I was interviewing big celebrities. Definitely. Wow. And uh, this is so fascinating, John. Thank you for sharing all these golden tips, you know, to not only become the best interviewer that we can be, but also finding creative ways, you know, how to open up opportunities to interview. And uh, what would you say would be your final words that you want to, to share, you know, with your fans and, and that, you know, those that are very eager to, to read your book? What would be one of your final words? Well, I want to say it's fans so much as people who want to be better at interviewing, either in their lives or in the entertainment world. And I, again, those are the two questions I get the most is, I can't interview. I, I, who, I don't have a platform. How do I interview? And as I said, 
you can interview in life and you can go to autograph shows, go to camp. You can do, there are ways you can, you go on the street, you know, look at TMZ. Basically all you need is a cameraman and a microphone. And if you make yourself look professional, you can just go around town, wherever celebrities are and interview them. It's not that hard if you could be a little bit brave. And the second question is, how do I interview? How do I get to these celebrities for my show, my podcast? And again, you know, you can learn how to write letters and, and emails that are effective. You go to my website and find all the tools that you need and books, and, and my book and my ebook, and, and learn how to get to virtually anybody. And yes, sometimes you've got to kind of take some risks as long as it's within the law. And maybe do something that's a little bit, you know, off the beaten track. I, I, I know someone, and he wanted to work for this celebrity. Really wanted to work for a big celebrity. I'm not going to say who it is, but a big celebrity. And there was just no way he could get anywhere near this man. The man had bodyguards and everything else. But he kept researching, and he kept learning more and more about him. And one thing he learned was that he went to a psychic and very, very much into being going to a psychic. So he found out who this psychic was. And when he found out who the psychic was, he went to the psychic and he said, look, I want you to tell him next time he comes to you that I'm seeing in my crystal ball or whatever it is that he sh that this guy should work for you, that you should, that he should meet me. And she said, she, why should I do that for you? And he put down $5,000 in cash to the psychic. He said, 5000 all you got to do is tell this celebrity he should be working for me. <laughs> and the psychic took the money, told him, and within days he had a meeting with that celebrity and then started working for him. <laughs> Whoa. So I can't take credit for that, and I can't tell you who it is because it's someone very well known. But that's an example of doing something to get to somebody that's unorthodox, that may be bending the rules a little bit. But he even told the celebrity later on, the celebrity laughed, that's great, I'm glad you did that. Glad I, you came into my life, you know, however you can do it. But that's uh, an example of how you can just find out enough about somebody where you figure out there's an opportunity to meet them or an opportunity to do something creative. And this guy had some money, $5,000 is a lot of money. And that psychic for $5,000 was willing to do that, you know? And that particular psychic maybe was not very ethical, but you know, this, <laughs> it, worked. It, worked. it worked. And so, so I believe that anybody can be gotten to and you can interview the people of your dreams and you can become the best interviewer you can be. And, and I hope if this is interesting to you or if you think there's value in what I've been saying, get my book, Talk Big, go to johnkerwin.com or Amazon or Barnes and Noble or whatever and, uh, and, and maybe read the book and maybe read it more than once and because there's no book like it. And if this is what you want to do, whether it's being the best podcaster you could be or TV or radio or magazine, print, whatever it is, uh, or like I said, in your everyday life, when you're meeting 
somebody that you want to connect with or you want to connect with your boss or your company. This book is very valuable and it's what I've learned over the years and I believe it will serve you well. Thank you, Larry. Thank, thank you, Jose. Man, thank you for all those magnificent uh, words of wisdom and uh, everyone visit the website johnkerwin.com j-o-h-n-k-e-r-w-i-n.com and get his book or as you call me just Kerwin <laughs> just Kerwin <laughs> you can go so get his book uh, talk big how to interview celebrities and make them love you with John Carwin. Thank you everyone and have a magnificent night.